Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Welcome to Women on the Line, a National Women's Current Affairs program produced at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne on Wondery Country of the Kulin Nations and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. I'm Aoife Cook. But some days I just wish that I could go home again Cause I don't speak the language and I can't find a friend This week's Women on the Line is a special broadcast for International Day of Disabled Persons 2017 which falls on Sunday the 3rd of December Artist Larissa McFarlane joins me by phone to talk about disability and art practice, disability pride as practice, and the hidden joys of handstanding and grandstanding. To start, I asked Larissa to introduce herself, and we go on to talk about how she has, in recent years, been inspired by the disability pride movement. My name is Larissa McFarlane, and I'm an artist, and I'm also a disability activist. Um, I had a brain injury 19 years ago when I was 29, so I'm 48 now. And, um, yeah, and so I I say that a lot of my life today is informed by that moment, um, that experience of having a brain injury and then the years, the the past 19 years. And that uh, at the moment is quite, I mean, I think it's always directed my art practice. I became an artist through having a brain injury, a visual artist, and then... Um, and I've also become really aware of how people with disabilities are really marginalised in in Australia and I really want to change that because it's just not good enough. So that sort of like drives my activism. Um, Great. Yeah. As you said, you have a particular focus on art. Where do you feel that disabled artists sit within the art world? Um, I think... It's with uh, controversially diff- with difficulty. I think um, yeah. I think that there are many artists in the art world who have disabilities, but wouldn't necessarily have the disability in their identity first and foremost. Um, I think that if you identify as an artist with a disability, you are probably going to be marginalised to being part of disability art or an art that's separate to contemporary art in Australia. Um, yeah. Do you, do you dream of an art world that is integrated or are you more focused on developing a disability art scene that's more respected broadly? Or both? Wow. Um, 
be accepting each other and in our diversity. I think that um, I suppose in some ways I have moved away from the contemporary art world and to just and focusing on disability, knowing that this will may marginalise me um, because I think it's valid and, Im and important um, and it's also part of my identity. I think that, I suppose, I, mm, oh, such an interesting question. I think there's a sense of, you know, it's like it's, I think when you work to change a system, you can work inside it or you can work outside it and both, both places to work are really important. And I have learnt in my life that I'm, although I'd really like to be working inside the system, changing it, I'm always better when I work outside. And, and to do that, I need to be creating community around me so that I will, because I don't operate as a, as a loner very particularly well, um, but I do know that I don't work inside systems very well. So does that answer your question? So what I'm doing is I'm trying to create an environment, I suppose, for positive... Um, for disabled artists to make art, um, that is my vision, mm. but that I suppose I am seeing it as an outsider to the mainstream. Does that make sense? Yes, wonderful. And when you speak about um, disability and art, you, you, I know you think of it more broadly also. You think about disability pride and disability pride movements and, you know, emphasising this within Australia. What do you mean by disability pride and why do you feel it's necessary? Yeah, uh, well, this is disability pride is something that I've really, I've only come to quite recently, like in the last couple of years, I've been really trying to grapple with it and trying, because it's a big statement, disability pride, I think, in Australia it is. Um, there are some really amazing um, disability activists in Australia who are very proud in, in, and practice disability pride and it is a practice, it's something we need to keep practicing but um, so I've come to this through realising the experience of marginalisation and the experience of shame around my brain injury and around the associated mental illness and physical disabilities that I have and feeling always feeling that I'm wrong and that my body's wrong or that my mind's wrong or I'm not trying hard enough or all those messages that many people with disabilities and mental illness face and then realizing but keeping but also knowing that I am doing my very best so why do I feel this shame why do I feel like I'm wrong because I'm not wrong I am who I am and so um, I came across the disability pride movement which is actually a worldwide movement mm. it started i think and they have annual pride marches in the states and the first one was in 1990 so it's actually got a long history but in australia i haven't really noticed that much of it i do know there was a pride march last year for the first time their first official pride march in adelaide last year which was led by um the mp kelly vincent mm. and uh who's in the Australian Parliament and um, yeah and I suppose look you know I wanted to do my bit and as an artist I am I'm a paste up one of my practices is paste up street art and so um, I'm interested in using that medium to try to create um, art around disability pride so the disability pride movement I think you know in a nutshell it is about bringing awareness and bringing a different type of bringing awareness to 
to disability and, and challenging the negative stereotypes of disability that people, many people hold. And it's sort of trying to highlight that disability is a natural and it's, a it's part of human diversity and it's something that we should be proud of. And the most important thing for me personally is that it challenges that internalised ableism that I have and many people with disabilities have, where we've internalised society's attitudes towards us and we now see ourselves as not worthy. And I want to change that. And I, so I see that standing up and being proud is one way to challenge that. And when you described disability pride as a practice, what, that, what might that mean in an individual's life? What are those practices, as well as marching? Um, <laughs> Yeah, because we get to do that once, you know, yeah. well, hopefully we'll get to do that in the future. But, yeah, I think because most of, I think being, um, it's something we, we need to practice because I still have internalised shame. Whenever I go to the doctor, I still, which I try not to go to very often, but, you know, there's messages there around that your body is wrong and that you need some medication and you need to do this and you need to do that. So I'm always being seen as a problem. Um, and so... I have to come away and balance that and try to um, practice pride in who I am now and the things that I have achieved and the, the amazing things that I can do now. Um, uh, there's interesting ways that people practice pride. Some people have, um, have gotten tattoos around practicing pride mm. um, and there's quite a few people actually. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I think um, for me personally, uh, every time I do a handstand, I feel like I'm practising some pride and I'm challenging the system that says that, you know, you can't... I, I have difficulties um, standing, so I use a walking stick, but I have discovered that handstands really make me feel better and I can go into that later. But, um, yeah, so there's different little things that I do. And also I think creating community. So I'm very committed to sort of the peer environment. I spent a long time being a victim of disability services and, you know, sometimes they did help, but mostly I felt like a victim because they're not empowering places. And again, they're places where you're there because there's something wrong with you. Um, but I was there because there were other people um, who had similar experiences to me in terms of their disability or their mental illness. And we had a, um, I gained something from that peer support. And I've also since yes. gone on to work in self-advocacy environments where we work together for our rights. I do have maybe an idealistic vision of drawing all the different disabilities together. At the moment, we're, we're, as a movement, we're, we don't really exist as a movement. And um, we're also really divided um, into our own disability types. And as I said, you know, the hierarchy of which is a worthy disability and which isn't. Um, drug addiction, for example, I would also consider to be um, within disability. And that's, that's, well, that's a contested too. Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, uh, homelessness. I mean, that's, well, people often, yeah, I'm not going to keep going. <laughs> but I think but I think that I'd, I'd like to see that, you know, if we could actually have more conversations and unite around our differences, then we could um, potentially grow stronger and, and develop actually a movement that can actually advocate for change and for respect 
and for rights um, and for jobs and for access to education and access to healthcare. Um, these are all areas where people with disabilities are really, really marginalised and find it really difficult to access. And it's not just physical access, um, it's um, other types of access. So Larissa, you're based in Melbourne and the, um, your plan is to bring Disability Pride marches here or some version of it. Can you talk about that? Um, yes. I'm not, I, I would love to see a march, but I don't think I'm the one to organise it. Well, not yet. Yeah. Um, instead, I am using, as I said, my skills around my art, which is in the street, street art and paste-ups. Um, using that to create a disability safe space, creating a creating a, a big mural or a paste up mural. I've been inviting friends to send me images of their of their life which I call disability culture. I think we need to be looking at the ways our lives and calling that culture and valuing it. So people have been sending me all sorts of things from their guide pictures of photos of their guide dogs or some art they've made or some poetry and we'll be pasting it all up to create this really big mural and I'll also be using images of um, my many walking sticks that I've collected um, to create um, the words International Disability Pride to bring awareness to a mainstream society that disability pride exists and that it's actually part of an international movement. Um, yeah. Wonderful. And, and that's in Footscray. Footscray in Melbourne. Wonderful. Across Australia, you are listening to Women on the Line on the Community Radio Network. This is Aoife Cook and I'm speaking to artist and disability advocate and activist Larissa McFarlane to coincide with International Day of Disabled Persons 2017. I asked Larissa to explain the genesis of her art practice. So you hinted earlier at, or you referred to earlier at a very important part of your practice, which uh, relates to handstands, which might be a surprising idea (laughs) to some people. (laughs) They've been a very important part of your life. And before we talk about your art around handstands, can you tell us the story of how handstands became important to you? Yeah. Um, Look, it was about... Six or seven, six years after my brain injury, and um, life wasn't very good. Um, I was like, I didn't actually know if I would ever have a life again that I would consider worth living. Like, I really wasn't sure I really wanted to stay on the planet. It, things were really tough. I had brain injury, had a lot of fatigue and a lot of pain and cognitive memory issues, and I uh, couldn't really handle busy spaces and. I was also happened to be doing a lot of rehab, um, physical rehab, because I'd found that really helped with pain. But the exercises they give you in gyms aren't very exciting, and they were really, you know, um, boring, basically. So I was transferring a lot of this exercise to playgrounds and trying to, I don't know, be creative, because, you know, I actually think brain injury knocked creativity into my head. I think it's one of the ways that you learn to live with a brain injury is you need, you have to be creative and you have to come up with creative solutions to problems because no one else is going to. 
um, anyway, I, I actually don't remember why I, why I first thought about handstands other than I saw someone on the television do a handstand and I, after they'd kicked a goal at the football and I was like, I want to do that. That will bring me joy. I'll be cured. I will be happy forever if I can do that whenever I want. <laughs> Wonderful. So I, and, um, uh, actually at the time there was a book called The Secret. Do you remember this book? Yes. Anyway, this is a book that if whatever you imagined, it would trans. It would, would transpire. It would happen. So I thought I'd test out this book because um, I was a bit desperate. <laughs> Why not? Every day in my journal, I wrote down because I was doing a lot of writing then, mostly swear words because that's how it felt. Yeah. Um, that's how my life felt. But I started writing down, I will do a handstand. I will do a handstand every morning and repeating this. And I did this for like six months and I kept trying to, you know, work out how to do it. And Look, I won't go into the whole story, but eventually I managed to do a handstand and it was amazing. And then I just kept trying to do them again and again and again. And after about a year, I could do them quite easily and regularly wherever I was. And I discovered that they really helped with my pain in my back and my shoulders. Um, I think just this weight shifting the other way in your body, it just felt amazing. Maybe just the blood coming to my head made me feel great. Um... I also lived with quite a bit of trauma and fear, so doing a handstand is scary. I didn't do a handstand as a child. I was not very coordinated. Um, at 35 was my first handstand, and so it was terrifying. So every time, and it still sort of is a bit, um, and so every time I do one, there's this moment of like, oh, what am I doing? And then you do it, and there's this joy of like, I've, I've achieved something. So I also get to challenge this sort of ongoing fear in my life and get to sort of um, stay on top of trauma as well wonderful so you brought your joy of handstands in your personal life into your art practice as well can you describe your work yeah um i just need to say that i i that happened slowly because for a long time my handstands were a secret because it was it was so much about me trying to cope and me trying to manage my life and particularly distress i found handstands are a great way to manage my distress um, but I was hiding them. I'd do them around corners or in stairwells and, and in toilets and just a way, private moment to sort of ground myself. And after about six years, I was like, this is really ridiculous. Why were you Why? hiding it, Larissa? Well, this was the thing. I realised that I was hiding it and this was quite ridiculous. And I think it was because, again, the shame. Because I was doing handstands because it made me feel good and it was managing my brain injury and my pain. Um... And I didn't, I, that's what I was amazed, that's what I wanted to look at was why am I so, why is this a problem? Why can't I share it? Why can't I be out? Maybe because once you do a handstand, people think it's a performance and it never was. But I just, and I realised that I needed, wanted to explore this issue. And it's actually through me bringing my handstands out into the public that has allowed me to come out, I suppose, as a woman with a disability. Um, it sort of forced me to do that and I think that's been really empowering but it's also you know been really scary because I'm outing myself because I live with it mostly my disability is invisible um, yeah so I started exploring how I could map my my suburb my lo local area where I did these handstands late at night when no one could see me and I started pasting up images of myself in handstands on brick walls where I did the handstand so they're black and white sort of ghostly images and it's sort of like you know this is my this is 
someone did a handstand here last week or yesterday or last night and um yeah they like leaving a ghostly and they're also a place for me to, that's a safe place for me i can go and do the handstand there anytime now i've marked it out does that make sense how interesting yes um, I'm making art about it because I'm still exploring it because I still don't really know... Well, I do know why I'm doing many handstands a day, but it's also very much just part of my part of my practice of wellness. Wonderful. And so you are now um, have a residency in the Footscray City Arts Centre. Um, is the handstand project part of the work you're currently doing? I'm actually a printmaker. That's how what I... trained in and what I've been doing for the last 10 years so ironically it's only I did the street art handstands and now I've started bringing it into my printmaking Um, so the exhibition is a lot of liner cuts mostly and they are also exploring handstands Um, uh, the title of the exhibition is called Grandstanding Not Handstanding and that's because um I really, this exhibition, it feels, I wanted to make it like the culmination of my 18th anniversary of my brain injury and I wanted to come out, I wanted to use that momentous moment of my 18th birthday to create art and to have an exhibition and to, and to be out, to push myself to, um, to be public around disability and my brain injury which, um, and to, yeah, to practice the pride around that. So it's a bit of handstands and it's a bit of grandstanding. I'm not really a grandstander, I'm actually an introvert, but um, <laughs> sometimes you've got to come out and stand up strong. I wanted to ask as well whether gender is an important aspect of your work. Yes, and that's a really interesting question because uh, in the first 10, 12 years of my brain injury, I would have said no. Um, I was actually a really strong feminist and before my brain injury and I mean actually after my brain injury I remember saying to my housemate I know I'm a feminist can you just tell me why again because that's part of that whole relearning you have to relearn stuff because you can't access the information that's in your head but so I knew I was a feminist but I must say the experience of disability was so much more marginalizing than being a woman that I felt that I wasn't actually a feminist anymore for a long time and then I think in the last few years I've actually realised that hang on a sec there's a real intersection here with gender and disability and that women with disabilities are marginalised and discriminated against so much more than men with disabilities and there's a special sort of so I would say that gender is really um, an important part of my identity. Do you, do you bring it into your art? Uh, yeah I have done yeah in more recent times um, not explicitly, though, because I still feel at the moment that disability is the main experience or, the, you know, the experience of disability, mental illness, you know, there's a big, broad, diverse experience there. But um, I expect to see more gender there. It's just that, you know, I'm working through this stuff. And I think it's just interesting to notice my own history in 19 years of trend moving through what's important. You know, I had my brain injury 19 years ago now, and... Although, obviously, you know, I am 48 and I've been getting older ever since I was 29, there is a sense that you are reborn when you have a brain injury. You suddenly get a new personality and a new way of doing things and new abilities and skills and a whole different, you know, even your favourite colour changes. And people often change their name. And so there's a sense of, um, you know, that you have to often learn to talk and walk and do everyday things again. Um, 
so there's a sense of growing up again and I think that, you know, turning 18 in brain injury years is a sense of, you know, now I'm entering adulthood and I'm, you know, I've, I've got to be serious about things. But I do think that it is important to, there's importance around play. You've been listening to Larissa McFarlane, disability advocate and printmaker, currently an artist in residence at the Footscray Community Arts Centre in Melbourne, as part of programming for International Day of Disabled Persons 2017 this week. You can see her work at larissamcfarlane.blogspot.com.au. The music throughout this week's show, chosen by Larissa, has been by Heidi Everett, who describes herself as a creativity facilitator, mental health recovery advocate, multimedia artist and social change facilitator. Well, I can't say where the rain is gonna fall, but I'm sure. And I can't say where the rain is gonna pour, but I'm sure. is a national women's current affairs program made for community radio. It's produced and presented by a range of women broadcasters from 3CR in Melbourne and broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network with funding support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. We'd love to hear your thoughts or comments about the program. So please send an email to womenonthelineatgmail.com and you can also find us on Facebook or Twitter. <laughs> <laughs>